Hi everyone, welcome to Third Coast Gaming Impressions. Today is March 7th, 2021. Um, we are we are here. It is episode 21. We've both played some video games. I am middling about the video game I played. I wanna get I wanna get in this with you, Austin. Sure. I'm here with my co-host Austin Taylor. Yeah, I'm Austin. Uh-huh. I'm just gonna no, I'm just gonna sit here, talk to myself. About GTA Online for the next hour. I mean, that's a, that's a form of therapy, I think. You know? Yeah. It's free, too. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, uh, I'm i going to come on record and say I played GTA Online when it first came out in 2013. Oh, yeah, me too. I think it was 2013. Yeah, yeah, it was October. It was like or November 2013, a full month after GTA 5 had released. And, uh, you know... I had some friends who were like, "Hey, you can you can just resell this car over and over again and make like two million dollars." And I was like, "All right, I did that." And then I stopped playing for like seven years till now. Yeah, I'm back at it. Yeah, because when that game launched, or when that service for Grand Theft for Grand Theft Auto launched, it was like, "What could you do in there? Uh, you could." steal cars right like the, you had the core of gta which is you could steal a lot of cars and sell them and make a lot of money um and you could rob convenience stores yeah and then i think i remember i played with my friend for a while they had these wave-based survival missions yep. that were in there as yeah. well they had a few game modes they had like that. a couple story missions they added them over time i remember the big releases for this were the heists yeah that they've kind of been introducing more i think 2017 was like the peak of like gta online i'll say absolutely so that's when a bunch of these expansions that i the stuff i played when i got into it was this stuff and then they also did the uh, they put it like a they did like a battle royale thing in gta online although it was it was only it was like team based instead of like single player yeah and you would have like vehicles you would mess with yeah, yeah. So, like, for that battle royale, it's like a section of the greater um, Los Santos County, that being the fictional sort of set California setting of GTA V, would be sort of cordoned off, and you would be in this color-coded outfits and would run around and look for things like vehicles and upgraded weapons and such. Uh, motor wars is what they called it. Yep, yep. Yeah. So there's like a yeah. Color code in the other. There's a bunch of vehicles you would mess. It was basically vehicle combat. It wasn't even like a San Andreas County, not Los Santos. Los Santos mm-hmm. is the city. Yeah, and you could go and eventually you'd be in the city too doing stuff. Oh, some of these, some of these vehicles are stuff that I use right now. Okay, so I'm gonna break down for you what happened. Okay, so. So I got my Series S, and I was like, huh, I should just play some Grand Theft Auto, because it'll look really nice on my Xbox. So it was $15 on sale, and I loaded up. I was like, oh, it looks cool. I did the first mission. And I was like, oh, I wonder what online's like. So I went into online, and it turns out I had a Criminal Enterprise Starter Pack, which gives you a million dollars in cash, a bunch of properties, and some vehicles. And I was like... Well, so this is like a digital pack you buy. It was like the GTA Online Premium Edition. Yeah. 
which comes with this criminal enterprise pack which gives you a bank a gun running bunker a counterfeit cash factory and a biker clubhouse which are all dlcs that kind of came out at certain times which i'll get into but i loaded up and i was looking around on the three on the xbox gta online and i was like oh i've got a character on playstation so i went and gave rockstar 25 more of my dollars and i bought this on my playstation as well which maybe that's the second mistake but i've been having like an okay time doing this like it's i have been a delivery man for the last week by myself and it it this it's a nightmare to play in a public server austin you thought griefing was bad when you're just fucking around and online which like gta online is notable for like while you're just running around in the open world you're there in a server where everybody is in los santos because that's where the majority of the properties that you can buy as a as like your online what i'll say is like an mmo light type thing yeah so everyone's just in there causing havoc i think we uh we expressed that similar opinion last time we talked about gta online right yeah it's just an incredibly destructive and very toxic uh game space in unexpectedly so you know it being grand theft auto so i'll get into why that is a big part of what i'm going to be talking about because we're not even there yet we haven't even tipped the iceberg okay so for 25 dollars on ps4 I got the Whale Shark card bundle, Austin. And the Whale Shark card bundle came with $3.5 million. It was on sale. It's normally $60 or something. And I got it for $25. So <clears throat> it was premium edition, premium edition plus Whale Shark. So I had $3.5 million from that. And then I had an extra million... Because the PS4 version came with the Criminal Enterprise Starter Pack too. So yeah, I got this Starter Pack. Yeah, and that gives you access to. I've got um, it's got the it's got the bank in there. It's got a gun running bunker, a counterfeit cash factory, a bunch of vehicles, and then another million. And then what Rockstar has been doing is until the PS5 launch, every like April first may 1st they're going to be giving ps plus members an extra million dollars yeah so i took i took all this money austin they've been doing that for a while (laughs) they've been doing that for a while um along with amazon prime so i got into i was looking up some videos on how to make the most money which is also what i did in red dead redemption online to destroy my life is um there's three sets of dlcs that i've been doing so the first one was June 2016. They did one where you can become a CEO and you get a bank. Where, and through the bank, you're running cargo pretty much. So you're buying like... You're getting shipments of like tobacco, firearms, and like valuable paintings and reselling them. Yeah. So I've... And, they, and so what those have is you have these warehouses you'll buy... Normally the bank is like a million and a half dollars, but they give you a free one. So you buy these warehouses. You have like a small, medium, and a large warehouse. I think the small is like 12 pieces of cargo. 
the medium is like 40 or something. I think the large is like 100. But basically you'll do a mission where by yourself you have to pick up – usually you'll have to pick up three pieces of cargo or you'll have to pick up one truck that has the cargo and you have to run them back to your bank in like a set amount of time. But I've been making like 500 million off of a full set of 12 cargos, which at a time you can only do a mission where you steal three at once, which <clears throat> you set up your missions on this laptop and you have some upgrades you can buy for like facilities. And then the other thing I did is you become a motorcycle club owner. And so I... I run drugs in GTA Online yeah, too. Yeah, the thing that they do all yeah, the time. Yeah, the thing that they do. You can buy a weed setup, a coke setup, a meth setup, a fake money setup, or a document forgery setup. Like fake money, like counterfeit money. So uh, <clears throat> what they said online was the weed, the coke one, the meth one, and the counterfeit money one makes you the most money. So I went and spent like two million, because they give you the uh, the counterfeit cash one for free, along with the biker clubhouse. Yeah. So I went and I bought these two other facilities inside the biker clubhouse, and then I bought two upgrades to make their production faster, and to make the products sell better. So after two and a half hours, when you set up this facility, you'll buy supplies. And then two and a half hours later, you'll have, it'll deplete all the supplies that were dropped off. So you can keep dropping off, you can keep buying supplies for 75K and it'll fill up this production meter. A maxed out production meter will need, will give you five trucks to run by yourself or with a group in 30 minutes. So I'm doing this solo. So I will do one 75K production, and then it'll usually give me one or two trucks. So when you have these trucks and you get into them to go drop off your drugs, which are like, it's like usually a 10 minute drive in a vehicle, like a like a like um, an Amazon delivery vehicle, a garbage truck, a motorcycle, or a helicopter or a plane. And the easiest ones are the plane and the helicopter and the motorcycle because they're faster. But when you get into these, the whole lobby is notified yeah. of your vehicle's position. So they can come in. And yeah. will tell them that they can get money and reputation by blowing up the vehicle. Love it. Love it. So what I had to do is I was looking up how to get into a solo lobby. When you go into your internet connection settings, you can set your MTU in a custom connection to 800, which slows down the packets you're sending or something. So I'm in lobbies by myself because I the first three times I did this, someone came up to me in a hover bike, got out and took a rocket launcher out and blew up my car. And I was like, ah, oh, great. This is GTA Online. So you can make like... 200k off of these i'm trying to see how much money i can make so i can buy all these dumb vehicles awesome that, that was my goal that is i mean of getting GTA into online. This. yep and then the last thing you have is a nightclub and 
I got like a bonus of a million dollars for something. They just, I logged in and was like, hey, you got a million dollars for like, till the PS5 version comes out or something. Yeah. I don't know. But I went and bought the nightclub. And what that does is you can resupply your cocaine and your meth for free if you buy an upgrade for like a million dollars. But you're not actually running those missions from the biker clubhouse. You're just in the nightclub and it'll fill up your like your coke set. But you can go run the missions those other missions at the same time too. So I've just I've just been a delivery guy. I, I think I've played about twenty hours of just me driving and dropping shit off and then doing some side missions and stuff. You found you have found the core of the GTA experience, my friend. Yeah, I'm selling drugs and I'm doing the exact thing same thing I do at my yeah. job is I'm a delivery man, yeah. Austin. I guess I'm just a delivery man. From, you know, I deliver pizza and then I come home and I deliver fake drugs. From the inception of this yeah. service to the heights of Rockstar's power, Grand Theft Auto Online is essentially a series of violent delivery missions. This is correct. Um, just now with a lot more steps in the way of everything. This sounds wild, like being the person who like runs several illicit businesses and then like every time you want to do one of these operations, just let like the game automatically just lets the lobby loose on you sounds absolutely wild. Yeah, it's fucking bullshit, man. I was right at the end of delivering something and I see some guy in a sports car speeding past me, and I'm like, ah oh, fuck, this guy's gonna fucking do some shit. Yeah. So he's, like, trying to throw sticky bombs at my, like, garbage truck, pretty much. So I get out, and I pull up my rocket launcher, and I blow his fucking car up, and then I drop it off. That summarizes the interactions with other people. But yes, I've been in solo lobbies. I've just been trying to figure out what this chain was. Like, my original goal, before it gave me, like, the extra million to buy the nightclub... As I was trying to save up money to get the nightclub, because that's apparently the easiest way to make a lot of money. Because inside of the nightclub is you have like an underground operation where the nightclub was the 2018 release. The the being the biker was 2017, and the no, the, there's like a gun running thing you can do. It's like some underground bunker that opens up from 2017. But the bank and the biker were both 2016. Yeah. The gun so the nightclub... Like doomsday thing. Yeah, so the nightclub will look at what other enterprises you own. Like, I don't have document forgery or weed. So I can't make those in the nightclub. But since I have the bank, the bunker, and the meth is I can produce those in the nightclub and not have to pay to resupply it. Because with the uh, the bunker and the gun running and with the meth, you have to pay like 75k to send supplies over. Yeah. So I can idle. I'm also idling right now on my PS4. You can start... <laughs> so you have to wait two and a half actual in-game hours for the supplies to come in. 
or for the supplies in the nightclub to fill up. So what you do is I load up a mission in my apartment and you sit there and you watch TV and then you turn your controller off and it'll idle in game and not kick you pretty much. All of this just for money, Austin. It's they have personified the greed of <laughs> capitalism to wanting as much money as possible. I mean, yeah, that's And I've been consumed by it, Austin. And now I'm just going to play control. I'm I'm taking a break with you town line. I'm just going to play control. Absolutely. It's cool. No one should play. I I don't think anyone should really be in GTA online right now. It's just it's so so much more complicated than it was when I dropped off in like 2016 with everything that's available. I could never imagine going back to GTA online and having any sort of financially uh, successful presence within those servers. Yeah. Without that uh, criminal enterprises starter pack or that 3.5 million, I'm like, the thing where, like, yeah, I was born into money, and that's how I'm making more money. Yeah. Anyone else who's doing this, there's, like, a path of, like, doing a bunch of missions for 25k, saving up your first million dollars to buy the bank. Because the bank lets you be a CEO, and you can do VIP missions. There's, like, two VIP missions that are super easy. There's one... Where you have to go kill four assassination targets in like 15 minutes. And there's one where you have to find things on the map. But those will give you 30k in five minutes pretty much. Yeah. So you get the bank and you grind those. Until you can buy a warehouse. To where you're running shipments and making 500k every two hours pretty much. And then you're saving up to buy the motorcycle club. With the meth and the coke. So you can use those in the nightclub you buy for a million and a half so that you can do other stuff while the supply meters are filling up in the nightclub so that when all the supply meters are full, you just run over the nightclub and you go do a shipment and then you go back to doing the other stuff. Infinite loop, Austin. It's an infinite loop. I'm saving up for a tank. I want a flying Jetsons car. They have, like, the fucking Speed Racer car, and it's got missiles on it. Oh, yeah. I've... There's just a bunch of dumb vehicles with missiles and shit that I want. I mean, I just got, like, a Camaro and made it pink, and that was that's what I did last time I played. I thought it was cool, but then someone blew yeah. it up as I was driving. Yep, that, that'll, that'll happen. And then... Um... They have a bunch of bulletproof vehicles that are really fucking cool. That's been my the other thing. And like their um their war stock they can buy in the internet in the game. You can go into their online store and look at a bunch of military vehicles. So I got like a Mad Max car that's bulletproof and I can shoot they nobody can shoot me in it. It's really nice. It's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. Yeah. Got that one too. That was like the the PlayStation 4 um, kind of gift that they gave people. Yeah, I think it was... Yeah. And then along with, like, there's, like, eight other vehicles you get for free in this. I think every version that you buy now comes with the Criminal Enterprise Starter Pack because they want people to just get in there fast since, like, these 
DLCs came out three years ago since the nightclub. I think that's yeah. the last thing they put out. Absolutely. And like the actual grind of GTA Online is, is ridiculous now. Without, yeah, like without a starter pack, no one would be playing half the DLC that they've put out for that game. Yeah, exactly. So that's mostly what I've been doing. Hey, you played some Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh, how many? How many? How far are you? How many hours? Um, you've been playing it all week. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Came out on PS Plus for uh, March. Came out March first, and today is March seventh. Yeah. So that was. I haven't played any today. Um, we've been doing this, but I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, throughout this week. Uh, I'm currently in, like, the final bit of where there are side quests, right? So the... Let me just do spoilers here, right? Like, this isn't... There's no... It's not even a thing anymore. Um, So, like, the Sector Seven plate has fallen. And I'm at the bit of the game where right before you go to the final encounter or what would have been the final encounter before I know what they add into this remake, um, you're given a sort of the option to do the final side quest of the game. Yeah, because the bit after is you going to the Shinra HQ to go rescue Eris, Aerith. Yeah. I think you have like four chapters left pretty much. Yeah, like relatively close. Uh, to the conclusion, thankfully. Um, yeah, and I've been putting far too much time into it because I am probably going to let my PS Plus subscription lapse um, this month. And so I just want to get that finished. And uh, yeah, so this remake is kind of wild. <laughs> in in a lot of in good ways and then a lot of really bad ways. <laughs> Uh, you know, this being a remake of a Final Fantasy VII that came out in like 1997, I was like a year old when that came out, and this being like a retelling, and also I don't want to say retconning, but like sort of acknowledgement that it is a retelling, right? So you start yeah. off, and things are a little different. Like, you know, once you get to the second bombing run, you get to the thing a point where like things are a bit different. Like they're not going to hire Cloud to go on this bombing run uh, when in the first game, like cloud is just kind of automatically signed up to go to the second bombing run. And this comes after like new chapters where you get to know the character, Jesse, who in the original game was just uh, some person who really liked explosives. Um, You get to meet her family, uh, get to meet another like soldier by the name of Roach, who is like a speed demon fella who, is going to keep attacking you while he's on his motorcycle. It's a relatively cool segment. Yeah, he's hot for motorcycle fights. Yeah, he's really into he's really into Cloud's ability to destroy him. Um and you know, and then once you get a second bombing run, you're introduced to like the forces at play within the greater narrative of the Final Fantasy remake that didn't exist in that original game being these specters. These like, which have been like seen as like an, an analogy for the fans who want the game to stay the same. Yeah. Like because they're actively the fighting. I yeah. Like sort of like almost, I don't want to say kingdom hearts esque meta narrative. I was about to, but like, I don't know 
really know enough about Kingdom Hearts to even make that assertion. But like this meta narrative that acknowledges that this is a retelling is that these specters show up at certain events. Like, you know, the second bombing run, uh, when Cloud's not going to do it, the next day you wake up and Tifa's like, yo, Cloud, what's going on? And you look outside and there's specters swarming all of the Sector 7 slums. And they're so angry that Cloud didn't go on that bomb yeah, run. Yeah, that they like, in the result of this entire section where these specters are uh, attacking Avalanche being the, uh, you know, the terrorist group that you're air quote associated with, uh, also air quote terrorist group uh, that you're associated with who are leading several uh, bombing missions into the power facilities that are ring Midgar being this sort of visual metaphor for uh, sort of increasing wealth disparity in capitalist society. Yeah, and like nuclear power. Yeah, and they like they push Eric. I mean, not Eric. They push Jesse down some stairs and sprain her ankle so she can't go on the run. So they just yeah, hire that Cloud. Was pretty funny. <laughs> and that's the entire point of that chat. That's the entire point of that like section of the game. And it's wild. It's ridiculous. It's like a thirty-minute bit where you're running through the slums fighting like the least interesting enemies of the game, and it results in someone falling down some stairs. Yeah, yeah. Was, um, I didn't spend too much time in that thing. But I like <clears throat> the things that one of the things I really like about the remake is when you get to those sections where they want you to do the side quests. Because it's like it's a break from the main stuff and you're just kind of doing random tasks. But I, I like I like lived in those moments where I was like almost pretending to be Cloud, just like, hey, I'm just helping these people. And Cloud kind of comes into his own as a character a little more. Like, I like where they take Cloud. He starts off as kind of an asshole and doesn't care. And he, you slowly see he's, like, has a caring personality. Whether it's, like, it's kind of a shallow. Well, he's trying to. Like, him trying to care. But I'm, like, okay with it. I've, I've been there the whole time for your boy Cloud. Yeah. I'm like, this is cheesy and I'm cool with it. Yeah, I mean, well, the thing is, fundamentally, like, Final Fantasy VII, the original, is, like, a narrative about Cloud specifically becoming, like, learning to empathize with people enough to give a damn about the greater stakes of the world as they relate beyond just, like, his personal trauma and, like, history with Sephiroth, right? And working that into the prologue of Final Fantasy VII is pretty wild. Yeah, so, like, kind of, like, working that into this extended prologue because again like this final fantasy 7 remake is just the like first six to eight hours of the original game sort of stretched into this uh like 30 to 40 hour uh full experience uh, and it's it's pretty cool like it's interesting when they let cloud sort of i don't want to say get over it, but like express himself outside of his sort of fearful detachment he expresses towards everything. You know, like, one of the first interactions he has with someone who's not in the party is, like, when he walks up to Marlene, which who's Barrett's kid, Barrett being the leader of Avalanche, the big dude with a gun for an arm. And she sees Cloud and is scared of him. And it's a pretty weird scene for me because Cloud is too confused to have any sort of threatening aura. In my opinion, like he's just walking up to our lead and he's just got like the dumbest like expression on his face, which is just his passive sort of thing. And people are actively scared of this dude because I guess he's 
uninviting. He has eyes that are a bit different. Also, his sword is huge. Yeah, he's a he's a scary soldier man. He's yeah. Been mutated by the Mako or injected with Mako. Yeah, so the idea with soldier being like being like a proper noun is like a program where uh people in Shinra's military are experimented on and injected with uh, Mako, Mako being a resource that is the lifeblood of the planet. And it makes him really strong and able to do like superhuman feats. Like the first bombing run cloud does like a 80 foot vertical leap um, off of a falling platform. And everyone's like, wow, that's cool. And it's like, yeah, it was clouds. Cool. Yeah, it was very advent children ask of like how fucking powerful these people are so i will say like this it took this game took me 40 hours and there's about 10 hours of there's probably more than 10 hours of filler but there there are like three chapters of filler i don't like but i think all the other filler i'm i was like really into because it like spreads open like the story of this game and the ways that like you're just kind of living as Cloud. Like, the the section where it's Cloud and Eris, and he's escorting her to her house, and you're doing, like, the hand stuff where it's moving Eris over from one platform to another. To whereas that, that feels like it didn't need to be there, but I, I, like, I just enjoyed being in that section. Whereas, like, there's a train graveyard later with some ghosts, and I was like, I hate this area. Yeah, and it sucks. <laughs> like the the thing is, like the train, not the train graveyard, uh, the like construction zone that you and Aerith are moving through in the beginning. Like that's an extended on section of the original game, and that section's good because that's Aerith is like the first person who really, not the first person who makes Cloud care, right? But like the first person who is just on him about being such a passive uh, nothing of a person, right? And, like, that's why that section's really good. Because you're going through this, like, abandoned construction zone, and she's constantly trying to make him express himself. Like, they have that whole, like, sequence where they repeatedly, she repeatedly goes in for a high five, and he doesn't do it. And then at the end of, like, the final thing you do, he yeah. goes in for a high five, and she does it, and they have this awkward sort of thing. He's like, no, never mind, it's nothing, it's nothing, it's not important. And she's like, no, we'll do it next time. Uh, and that actually culminates in the Don Corneo chapter right after that, where you're in that Coliseum and they give a high five to each other. Like once you uh, finish that subplot uh, and that's cool. Yeah. But the ghost, the train graveyard is not a new section, but it is extended in such a way that makes it really unappealing because you know what's happening. Like, you know what you need to get through there to do because before you even get to that section, you know, Shinra is going after the support column in sector seven and is going to bring down that unfinished plate on top of that, on top of your sector and is going to kill at least 50,000 people. So that feels like filler in like the worst way possible because you just want to get to this like really important narrative beat. And it's not filled with anything particularly interesting. Like the most, the things I liked about the ghost sort of section of that were like Tifa being someone who has lived in Midgar for about five years and like runs a bar is someone who has bought into the local superstitions of the area 
And so whenever ghosts start showing up, she is noticeably the most unnerved person, despite the fact she is probably only second to like the amount of damage Cloud can put into a heavily upgraded sword. She's probably the highest DPS in the group and can take out just about anyone. Um, yeah, she is a complete badass. And that area completely cuts the pacing yeah. for me. It's like, that should have been earlier or something. Yeah, and so, like, she's noticeably unnerved about this entire area. And, like, everyone gets it, right? Everyone gets why she's scared and really unnerved. Because it is scary. And no one, like, kind of makes fun of her for it. Like, no one pokes fun at Tifa for being scared. Like, there's a bit where the first time you see the big ghost of the area shows up and Aerith is notably like Tifa, get behind me. Come on, you'll be okay. We got this. Um, and it's, it's a really like sweet moment for like this trio because right before this area, they have this weird dynamic where it's almost trying to assert this like romantic triangle between these two, specifically like how they, how Tifa and Aerith feel about cloud. Uh, but like right after that, they have this, dynamic where they're just trying to get through this area together and like help each other and like be friends so that's like the, the thing i could say about the ghost train yard that like i enjoyed yeah is that it makes eris and tifa much more than like romantic rivals for like or yeah for clouds like affection which is like you know there's stuff with the dresses that come in being like oh whoever you do the more side missions more is you get different stuff with them. But yeah, after that, I think it just, I think it does a good job of setting up who different people. I love the moment where Tifa is trying to ask cloud about the dress. And he's like, I don't want to talk about it. And he just like leaves it at that. Yeah. So the cross dressing bit, this being in the original game where you need to, um, put cloud in a dress so you can have him pose as a woman and get into the mansion of a Don Corneo who is searching for another wife. Um, like in the original game, this segment was like, felt like the butt of a joke, right? Like every time cloud is addressed, it was to make fun of the fact he was in a dress. They kind of rework it here to kind of almost celebrate right like that form of expression it doesn't necessarily work with cloud though because he's not doing this to express himself in a real way like everyone is constantly like people are very nice to cloud about it like people tell cloud he looks great in it uh but cloud yeah. is just not having it with anyone for that next bit and then once you get into don corneo's mansion it just gets worse yeah i like how um, I like Cloud's attitude towards Don Corneo whenever he's asking him questions about stuff, and then they just flip the rug and they're like trying to ask him about the Shinra stuff after. Because they go to Don Corneo because they need to know a, what Shinra's big plan is, and they find out it's that a, it's yeah. them dropping the plate. You know, the other moment that I really like is the dancing scene in the the Honeybee, and I that that was funny. Yeah, it's it, very enjoyable. I sucked at that mini game, but it was like flashy enough and celebrating that weird part, which I don't really think was from the first game. No, there was. I know no, you go to the honeybee and like you go to the honeybee and, but you don't like you don't do a dance like that, to my knowledge. Um, there's no like sort of fanfare around a 
around like a character like Andrea who you know like sort of dances with you and then gives you that makeover because I think you go to that in to collect like an item specifically because in the original game it's you're collecting the dress and then I believe two or three items and if you get those three items then in the original yeah. game that's what makes Don Corneo choose you as his bride yeah. as opposed to either well, Tifa or Aerith whereas in this in game this it seems one... like he just chooses you need you. their three bless. You need the three blessings to be able to go even visit Don Corneo from each of the the three people, which is yeah. Madame of the Inn, the uh, the guy in the Honeybee Inn, and then I can't remember who the third one. Chocobo is. Sam. Chocobo Sam, who is like sounds like the actor is doing a Sam Elliott impression, which is fine. I was just like. It was like this guy's probably a porn star somewhere else doing something. He could have been. He could have been. Chocobo um, Sam is a porn star name, Austin. Yeah, well, I mean, his name is Sam. I said Chocobo Sam because he runs the Chocobo stables. Um, oh, they call him Chocobo Sam. There's some guides that call him Chocobo Sam too. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like the thing about the Don Corneo section is, it is like once you get into the mansion, it is at best fraught. <laughs> It's not a particularly good segment. Like the framing in the original game was really bad, and the framing in this game is no less worse. Yeah, I think it's just done a little more gleefully. The sewer section after that is like another area that is like filler, and then when you go back to the sewer again, there I think there the pacing is a little weird. I do like the underground, like fighting the boss Azul. Which is the second time you go in the sewer. It's the big monster fight. That was pretty fun. Most of the bosses in this game are really like stand out for me. Had a very good time. Yeah, I mean they can. Like, there's they sort of they vary, but like yeah, I think uh, the like the sewer monster fight is is good. Um, I would say like my least. I feel like my least favorite boss fights are probably. Hmm, I know there's one that I found really frustrating. I think it might have been the Airbuster. Yeah, the the Airbuster is a pain in the ass. I um, at some point I I looked up some like tips for builds and I was like, oh, these some of these swords are better. I turned Barrett into a mage. Yeah. Because you get um, there's like when you get to Shinra, you talk to some CEO or mayor who's like, hey, if you give me some money, I'll give you some information. And if you give him the money, he doesn't really give you any information, but he gives you the big Bertha, which has the most MP of those weapons for Barrett. Because you're going to be using him until you get to Eris, So Yeah, that, like, that he's the closest helps. you have to, like, a real, like, uh, MP, like, tank without Aerith in the party. Yeah, I love that combat. Oh, my God. It's, it's addicting. It, I constantly just wanted to be in combat at all times. It's... I loved it. It's it's fine. I think like you can be very easily interrupted in some annoying ways where like you still like you're be in the middle of casting a spell or using an ability and you'll just get damage from a move that wasn't really telegraphed and then you'll be knocked out of that and yeah. you'll be still spend your ATB so you have to just go back to hitting people. And that can get kind of frustrating. Yeah. Um, it's a little punishing. Yeah, but like I think the combat really excels in in its melee fighters specifically. Like I think Barrett feels fine, but I gave Barrett the um, 
the charm that makes him take reduced damage when I'm not controlling him because I'm almost never controlling Barrett unless I need to snap some magic into someone. Um, yeah, I'll like I'll use an ability on someone, switch over to him, get his overshot, and then I'll use like a spell, and then I'll switch to someone else. Yeah, yeah. So usually the people I control in combat are like Cloud and Tifa, and both big melee fighters. The game introduces a lot. <laughs> of flying enemies in a really annoying way because like the combat system doesn't allow you to like fight them very easily with either of those characters but like when you're fighting ground characters uh i think they're both fantastic to control yeah and like cloud can sometimes get those air people but mostly it's just like oh i have to use a spell on these yeah guys. which like i constantly had one element on each character like i had a fire on cloud i had like a blizzard on tifa you know, whatever else. I used Eris a lot when I had her, actually, because she has an ability where she would put a circle on the ground, and you can yeah. double cast the spells. Worry. Yeah, so I would use that a, lo- a lot. Oh, yeah, it's an incredibly, like, effective thing, especially if you, like, use that ward, and you give Aerith the, the link materia that uh, allows, like, the ability she casts to jump to other enemies. So you're effectively hitting like three up to three enemies twice. Yeah, when you do that. yeah, and it could be can, devastating, especially if you hit a weakness. You can you can do that with cure, and it'll cure your whole party too. Yeah, it's which is cool. It's great. Like I think I will say that Aerith in this combat system does better express why you really want her in your party than like the turn-based system did because like you want her in your party in that original game because she has the most mp points and also materia slots of any party member like in this game and like her you know her limit break is a really good healing spell like in this game you want her in your party because no one can manipulate magic to the extent that she can and she is a she is a magic dps tank like i was fucking slinging spells everywhere and then I was just, I'm just, I was constantly switching between people to get ATB into abilities to get damage, especially like, uh, once you get the, um, there's like a, a weapon where you, you get an ability with it, where you will place a mine on the ground. It's like a, it's like a chakra mine, I think. And you can put three of those down and just like cluster fuck enemies. It's really funny. Yeah, yeah, I I really enjoy this game, and I think as someone who I I played the first disc of Final Fantasy VII, and I, I like went back and like I love my experience with this game, and I I can't wait to replay it maybe on the PS Five or like the harder difficulty. Yeah, I am. Like I I definitely do. There are definitely segments where like my interest nosedives, right? Uh, specifically with like the Specter, um, Specters, and like every time it teases doing something a little different from the original game only then to like have the, like just have the specters come in and push that back. Um, I think the Don Corneo bit specifically once you get into that mansion is just as bad as it was when you played it in that, in that original game. But all in all, even with some of the filler, I have to say, I have to say that I, I do enjoy like the act of playing this game quite a bit. And those like those hours really breeze by. I didn't. I was like, oh, I'm at thirty hours. How'd that happen? Um, I, I, any other thoughts on it or anything else? 
Um, so I was going to talk about control for a bit. Hello? That I think awesome. there's oh, here you are. a bit in this game where it kind of hints at... Like, we already know they're going to, right? With, like, you know, um, the Yuffie DLC. But there's a bit in the game during, like, the fall of the Sector 7 plate where they hint at... Um, oh, I love that. Aerith, like... Like, this is the first time Aerith knows, right? Like, this is right after you fight the Spectres as you get to Sector 7. I'm thinking of a different bit. But this is where Aerith knows that, like, the plate's going to fall, and she gets, like, some information in the future. You don't know quite how much, but it's pretty substantial. And then she goes and she meets Marlene, and it kind of hints at Marlene also knowing some stuff because of her contact with Aerith. And that kind of is brings up questions because Marlene is a character who plays a pretty big role, not in like the larger part of Final Fantasy VII, but in Advent Children. And considering that they showed a character from Dirge of Cerberus in the trailer for the Yuffie DLC, it's pretty clear that they are going to like make all of Final Fantasy VII one thing with this like series of remakes. Yeah, which is what I was thinking about when they were showing off that Ever Crisis thing, which also ties all of that together, which Yeah. should be interesting. And then the um You're gonna fight some phantoms later who are just the bad guys from Adventure. Yeah, we talked about that too. before. <laughs> uh I, I like the Kate Sith moment where he's just on the tower and the that is it, so it, it was so funny. Weird. Like no one knows who that is. I got chills, Austin. I got chills. Like no one, no one playing the remake for the first time knows who that is, <laughs> and they just throw this cat in boots and a crown, who like does the like the Planet of the Apes, damn you all to hell, like hitting its his fist into the like the metal of Midgar as he watches the Sector Seven plate fall. And like you, yeah. you don't even know why Kate Sith's important yet. Like you don't know why no, you don't. this is a character. You don't know that this is going to be a character who joins your party. You don't know who, who that character is actually a proxy for. Yeah, you don't. Just Kate Sith. Yeah, no, you don't even know it's Kate Sith. You just see a damn cat. That's just a cat. Sorry, people. People know who Kate Sith is. Oh yeah, that is that is Weiss. No shit. All right. I didn't get that when I watched that trailer. I I played Dirge of Cerberus. I don't remember shit about that game, Austin. A lot of people. I remember you shooting red barrels. I Vincent Valentine was told by someone in like the in a Discord chat earlier, like yesterday, that this was a character named Weiss. I was like, who is that? And they're like, it's a Dirge of Cerberus character. I said, what is that? That's the game where you play as Vincent Valentine. I was like, oh damn it! It's a third-person shooter, and your gun is almost the service gun in the sense that you just like change it into a shotgun or a sniper rifle while you're playing it it's weird that game my me and my brother were like so hyped and we pre-ordered that game and then it was just like a i it's a six out of ten shooter austin yeah but uh hey you wanna i love i love control austin i forgot how much i love control you know control's great Control's really good. Okay, so I thought I was getting the nice ray tracing tech for Control. Okay, so first off, 
the digital ultimate edition of control came out in february actually so i've had it the whole time but the physical edition came out like uh earlier this week so that's what i was waiting for to play but i've been playing it on series s it's 900p resolution at 1080p at 60 frames but there's no ray tracing yeah which i kind of bummed out i wanted the ray tracing austin well, but like, I don't get it because I'm not on a Series X. So you don't get like a, a cinematic mode with ray tracing? No, I have no... I only get um, frame rate mode. I don't have resolution. You have mode. resolution? Oh. No. But hey, it's been cool. Man, I pl- going from like a 1S to this is like night and day. This Because like whenever you die, dude, the loading times were like a minute on that console. Now that dude, it's like ten seconds. It's wild. Never see the loading times if you don't die. That's true. That's oh, true. I died a lot. Oh, or you, or you can set it to one hit kill. There's a bunch of accessibility options for like one hit kills. Yeah. Or I have some extra aim assist that I turned on for that. But I, dude, shatter, dude. I've put all my points into shatter and just one hitting all these motherfuckers, dude. It's the best feeling ever. Yeah, shatter's a really great weapon, especially with. The have you played the um, Alan no. Wake expansion? Have you played either of the expansions? No, not at all. I I the farthest I've gotten. Yeah. I think I'm at the same place where I was last time, where I just shut down the cooling vents and the power stuff. It's like in the very beginning, right before you meet the weapons lady, the head of security. Yeah. So you're yeah. So you're clearing out vents for Ati right now. Yeah, um, I just finished those. Yeah, I don't know when you'll get access to the AWE expansion, but like you get a yeah. a pretty great mod for Shatter that like you know how it's like a shotgun like a spread, right? It kind of yeah. turns the fire into a slug. So it's just oh, like nice. a bullet and it it's absolutely devastating. So okay. So when I said Shatter, I actually meant the the uh the rock throwing ability. Oh. What is that called? throw is it just throw yeah okay i i've been putting all my points in a throw and i just love fucking yeah. throwing rocks at people and one hitting them yeah it's and great. shatter's been cool too because i'll just two shot people and just knock them out launch it's called launch launch I guess. yeah yeah i like launch a lot yeah like it's like it's, it feels so good on this console and it i forgot this game has like this weird dream like quality with the way the world is like yeah it's like like surreal yeah like everything's kind of shiny and like 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 when i i look at the graphics of this compared to something else there's something different looking about this game it has like a certain glimmer to everything yeah like it's has these unnaturally clean environments that exist within like the oldest house um and it's just another way that this environment is so like off-putting other than the fact that this is you know was a house that the fbc found they did not build it they found it here in new york and moved it yeah and like the the resolution of the textures look like different from other games that i've played that like like it's hard it's weird to compare these two but when i look at this and spider-man there's just the textures in this game are just so different from anything I've played in other games. 
if that makes any sense. I mean, hmm. yeah, like I get that. I get that. You know, I think it's, I would attribute that to like the general aesthetic of the game. And And like the way the engine is set up. Yeah. Like like the, the game's aesthetic engine and like the fact that there's not a lot of games where sort of brutalism as like a sort of a paradigm for architecture is so thoroughly ingrained to into like every aspect of a game's environment like it is in control yeah and even like like the graphics like when you zoom in on like jesse's clothes or her face it just looks like they're doing like this game is like made like their style is so different from other people's and like their assets resolutions and stuff yeah like even as far back as like first time you know so like something like um quantum break it's like yeah other games didn't necessarily look like that and even that was when like quantum break came out and that was like in 2015 and that had games had like a really weird thing at the time with a lot of it looked kind of unfinished in a way right like everything looked a bit too smooth for people yeah like this game is very smooth is a good word to like explain like the way i feel about like the the graphics of this game like the graphics and assets but anyway i don't know even like the loop of like throw objects shoot stuff dodge come back into new targets like i love just going into areas and just murdering everybody in there it's just fun having a good time yeah you know it's like a really it's a really good power fantasy in like in every combat encounter um i imagine it's also good considering like it doesn't chug on the series the series s hopefully like it did on it is a lot of ps4s and some versions of the xbox There is one cutscene that I want to point out that I think encapsulates like your experience throughout the rest of the game and like the style that this game is trying to do. So it's the first time so you pick up the service weapon. Yeah. And it starts talking to you. You have Jesse's holding the service weapon in her head and in the mouth of the gun is talking and it's whispering. Yeah, the And then it is. goes Yeah. yeah. And then it goes to the board talking to you. So it's a close-up of Jesse and the service weapon. Then the board is talking to you that they're broadcasting from the period, from the pyramid. And the, only the director can hold the gun sword intentionally left blank. And then it cuts to uh, Darling explaining to you what an object of power is. And I love that they set those three different types of, like cinematics and style in a row and i think that sells this game to when you're first starting off in that oh yeah like you're immediately hit with like okay the director just killed himself i'm gonna pick up the gun because the voice in my because the sort of entity that it lives in my head is telling me to uh and now you're introduced to the board and then you are immediately thrown into like a reoccurring bit that you have to actually seek out in all those in that Dr. Darling speech as like a very stark like 
101, right? That is so different from the conversation you were just having with this entity that is speaking to you in this sort of approximation of English where every time they mention a proper noun, they mention like two or three different versions of that proper noun. Yeah, and I love how much this game plays with that stuff on the like all the side stuff, all the things you're picking up, like don't bring number two pencils into the place, don't say these words in here. Like, there's so much fun that they're playing with the world that makes it feel like it's close to like a Twin Peaks or an X-Files or like an Americana type like story. Yeah, like so it's like, there's like Stephen King's Americana stuff is what I mean. Yeah, I yeah. Get for it. yeah, like the sort of the works of an earlier Stephen King where it's like there is a power to this place we're in and we don't quite understand it or why it's here. Um, and we're mucking about like children. Yeah, not knowing anything that is going on. All right. I've got to eat lunch, but... um. We will be back next week with uh, maybe you know some more news. We'll see what games we play. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, probably with concluding like Final Fantasy stuff. Yes, yes. Maybe I'll play more GTA Online, but it's probably gonna be Control. <laughs> All right, I'm at Travis Twenty Three Oil on Twitter. Where can we find you at Austin? If you really need to find me, um, just attach a message to a pigeon and send it in the general direction of Texas. I'll find it. Uh, but on Twitter, you can find me at Beardless2, T W O. Alright, thanks for joining us. Till next week. Sign on. Sign on is probably not great. Goodbye. We'll say it instead. <laughs> <laughs>